ShotGlassDigital.com. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. It's all about celebrating your love of a galaxy far, far away. And Little Debbie is the fan's choice for all those sweet moments. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio, Rancho Obi-Wan, and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents Star Wars Oxygen. Music of John Williams. This is Red Five, I'm going in. Like Star Wars itself, the music in the film defied conventional wisdom. At a time when disco was burning up the charts, having a traditional symphonic soundtrack was another huge risk on Lucas's part. He really understood the genre that I was talking about. It's a group of composers that weren't that well looked upon in the 70s. There was a different attitude toward the old-fashioned symphonic and the scores. And I had a lot of music in the movie. All right, and welcome back to Star Wars Oxygen. You got it locked and loaded on the music of John Williams' Star Wars style. It's Rebel Force Radio's monthly look and listen to the work of the maestro in all six films of the Star Wars saga. Joining us, as always, is musician, actor, host of the Star Wars Celebration digital stage, Rebel Force Radio's very own, David Collins. Hey, Jimmy Mack and Star Wars and music aficionados. Welcome to Volume 20. That's right, Volume 20 of Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. I can't believe we've been doing this now for 20 volumes, once a month. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary here. Yeah, and we still haven't finished the films that are already out in circulation at this point. <laughs> no, and we have another one coming in December, of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens. You know, someone was asking me about The Force Awakens and how we're going to cover it on the show. My take on this, and I want to see how you feel about this, Jimmy. My take on this is that I don't want to talk about The Force Awakens until we've all seen the movie. Because, you know, usually the soundtrack will come out first, hopefully, if we're lucky, right? Knock on wood, we'll get a soundtrack before the movie comes out. But I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to hear a note that I don't have to hear, you know, in a trailer or commercial, whatever, until I've seen the movie, I don't know, two, three hundred times, you know, before <laughs> we actually talk about it on the show. That way I know everyone's good and ready. I know that we all have some context for what's happening in the show, in the, uh, in the actual movie itself. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two, three hundred yeah. times that first weekend alone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be ready to break down that soundtrack note by note after the film is released. But beforehand, I don't want to touch it because we can put it in the proper context. We really need to understand the story before we apply the, the amount of analysis that we are comfortable with. And 
Also, there's spoilers that could be potentially revealed within the music itself. Yes, no more Qui-Gon's Noble End track names, hopefully, coming our way. And ringing any bells. Yeah. Yeah, definitely was a huge spoiler. So I'm looking to avoid that. I don't know if we're going to be getting spoilers in the actual track listing themselves. That's going to be hard to avoid if you simply turn on the internet. (laughs) You know, this actually occurs to me. Actually, as you said that, it occurs to me for the first time. What a great uh, way for JJ to prank us all. He uh, really has yeah, a golden opportunity right there. They could misname, you know, they could call it, uh, they could call it Darth Khan's Noble End and just put it out on the soundtrack and we'd, be, we'd all be so confused <laughs> for a good week or two before we go see the movie. That's a good idea. Well, should- so that's, okay, there's another good reason. It's another good reason, though, to avoid the soundtrack altogether. So you yes. won't become the victim of a prank by... Uh, some uh, big shot Hollywood director. Now, <laughs> the thing is, we're not going to be able to avoid the music. We are going to be getting tastes of it along the way. Remember back uh, in The Phantom Menace, once again, Duel when they the had that big video premiere on MTV. Yes. You had to watch that. You had to. You'd hear the music from time to time. Of course. Now yeah. we're finding ourselves in that situation again. That's right, because uh, just this week, Lucasfilm completely out of nowhere, Jimmy. This was crazy. I'm just sitting there, you know, trying to uh, get my day started, and suddenly I see this thing on Instagram from StarWars.com, and it's a new teaser trailer for The Force Awakens. Just bam! Just mic drop on a Thursday morning. Lucasfilm decides to just put out completely new footage in this trailer, and my Twitter feed just blew up, and I know uh, everyone was just kind of blowing up, and everyone just got frantically excited because we see new shots of characters that we haven't seen. We see, uh, what do we see here? We see Finn with a blue lightsaber, which, you know, we knew about since D- the D23 Expo, right? There was that great poster that uh, that was done by Drew Struzan, right? Uh, and you actually shows Finn mm-hmm. with a lightsaber. But to see mm-hmm. him in action... And a new shot of Ray and BB-8, you know, looking up in dread. Uh, it, it looks like some sort of forest environment, right? And now yeah, we what know... what are they looking up at? Are they looking at a ship? Are they looking up at uh, someone standing up on a hilltop? What, what are they looking at? I don't know what Daisy Ridley's looking up at there and what BB-8's looking up at there. But now we know, presumably, based on the way this trailer's cut together, that uh, Kylo Ren and Finn are probably facing off against each other in that scene? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Sure looks like it. Well, they're in that snowy environment. And, uh, you know, within that forest, we originally saw that shot of Kylo yep. in the uh, first trailer. Yep. So it, it, it sure looks like they're matching up against each other. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I'm predicting the death of Kylo Ren at uh-huh. that moment in that battle. Whoa. I'm going out on a limb. I don't know anything. Hardcore speculation on Star Wars Oxygen. Hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah. Now, Instagram, for starters, I'm like, really? Instagram? But, you know, that's just how they decided to launch this little teaser. We heard from JJ they weren't going to release any more sort of uh, teaser trailer material until the fall. We're still clearly in the middle of the summer or in the last parts of summer, but still it's summer. So I don't know if this this can't be what he was referring to. I think he's referring to a full-on theatrical trailer as opposed to 15 seconds on Instagram. Oh yeah, I, I mean think- this is this is basically 
what amounts to a TV shot. This is this is an amuse-bouche of Star Wars The Force Awakens. This is an hors d'oeuvre before the hors d'oeuvre. It's, it's not even an hors d'oeuvre. It's like, it's like um, you know, someone left a piece of the hors d'oeuvre on the table and we're just going to grab it because we're starving for more Star Wars, right? I mean, it's such a little, little taste. But new footage out of nowhere is, I mean, is always incredible. And, you know... Why do we bring this up on Star Wars Oxygen? Well, first of all, because there's there's no weekly show uh, for RFR this week. But more importantly, there's new music in this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it it sounds new to me. Sounds yeah, new well, to you. You jumped all over it, and I, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that it is brand new music. Yeah, like I said, you jumped all over it. You uh, texted me right away. Mm-hmm. New, you know, new new teaser footage new music so i i ran to my computer i was actually walking out the door i dropped everything ran to the computer sat down realized i didn't have my glasses with me but i i squinted enough to make out this this trailer but my eyes i mean my eyes did the work but my ears were working too i was listening very closely it definitely is new music yep yeah it is why don't we take a listen to this instagram from now on, this will be known as the TFA Instagram trailer. How's that? Yes. Um, so yeah. the let's take a listen to the music from and the sound from the Instagram trailer for Star Wars: The Force Awakens. There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? There you go. First That's impressions. Great. First impressions. Uh, two words: Imperial March. There it is. There it is. Boom! 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 Right. It just there's those iconic three notes. Just bam, bam, bam. It sounds really dark, you know, and very, uh, very mellow. You know, and then it does this kind of cool thing. It does this. Uh, you know, uh, on the lightsaber ignites. I love how mm-hmm. they time it. So it's like, it's like saber, cross guard, fin saber. You know, it's like boom, crack, boom. You know, it's, it sounds like the Imperial March. But what does that mean, Jimmy? I mean, look, we could speculate forever. What, what do you think? What, what, what conclusions do you draw from this? Yeah, the conclusions I draw are that the First Order is definitely more associated with the empire of old than appearances because Williams is applying that, that motif to, to the, the, the visions of them gathering on screen. That's the first image we get is that big assembly shot that we saw in a Korean TV spot a few weeks ago. Right. Two set. That was two seconds that rocked the internet. Yeah. Today we got about six seconds, <laughs> if even, um, because we only really get, you know, two brand new shots. It's right. the shot of Ray and the droid mm-hmm. looking up, and it's the shot of Finn with the blue saber. Mm-hmm. So you know, time it out. It's probably like six seconds. It's fif- yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. Six out of fifteen when, seconds. Yeah. When they released the uh, Korean TV trailer. And we did get that opening shot featuring the assembly of the new order and or the the first order. The first order, yeah, not the new order. Yes, yeah, <laughs> another show. '80s band. What's <laughs> the matter with me? Um, 
but the uh, first order, and you see the, from the perspective of being up on the uh, platform on the stage itself, and when that was released, uh, or when that hit the internet, I should say, uh, Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm texted uh, or tweeted, or not tweeted, he put on Facebook, we should release footage from the upcoming film in only two second moments, you know, <laughs> because it got so much attention. So here it is again now in this new um, Instagram trailer, and you hear that music mm-hmm. that definitely indicates that there's a close connection with the Empire. Is this the Empire of old just with a new name? Is this an extension of what existed 30 years prior in the timeline? Or is this something brand new? Or is this some sort of like twisted vision of Palpatine's empire? So maybe we'll be getting sort of a a twisted version of the Imperial March that will then be associated with the First Order. Yeah. Yeah, those are great questions. I mean, if you think about that shot, you've got what look like Imperial walkers with an upgraded design. TIE fighters with an upgraded design, stormtrooper armor with an upgraded design. There's clearly an evolution that is continuing in the Star Wars saga from the clone army through the Galactic Empire into the First Order. Musically, it makes sense that that would happen as well. Um, I I don't know. I mean, we could still, just a disclaimer you hear on the show, we're just going to talk about these 15 seconds of music and try and keep an open mind for what's going to happen in The Force Awakens. But what we got uh, with this new Instagram trailer is definitely reminiscent of the Imperial March. And uh, just like visually, everything is is reminiscent of the Empire, right? I mean, what what makes the Imperial March the Imperial March? It's the it's the rhythm, right? It... We didn't get any any of this. We just got the and then we got right. And uh, you know, and it's the and it's the harmony. You know, we got that too. You know, we really got that. You know, so it it definitely has all of the Imperial March. In fact, you, you can hear this uh, French horn in here or something like that, some sort of low brass. You can hear it in the background going, bwom, bwom, bwom. You hear that, right, Jimmy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. So if you go and you actually listen to... Uh, a cue from Return of the Jedi. Um, there's that scene, and we've talked about this scene before on Endor, where uh, Luke basically gives himself up to Vader, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's there on Endor, and they have that great conversation. Well, you know, the Imperial March kind of plays his underscore in kind of a solemn way, like this. Right? I mean, it's the same key, the same everything here. Right? So you go back then to, um, you go back to the trailer, and there it is again. Right? I mean, it's, it's so clear. Repeats. If this is a, a theme for the First Order, I yeah. like that it doesn't resolve. I like that it doesn't give us... Right? It just stays yeah. here, right? Almost as if it's no longer the glory of the Galactic Empire. It's a First Order in a different age. Maybe it's broken. Who knows? I mean, there's so many things that we're going to be able to talk about post-December. 
I can't. Yes. I cannot wait. But man, this was such a great, just little, little taste musically of something that uh, felt very different than the trailers we've seen so far. Now, have we heard any confirmation about this being new music from John Williams? I have not seen any confirmation. That's a great question. I have not heard any confirmation. Going by my ears alone, um, this sounds like new music to me, uh, knowing the Star Wars score. Um, it would be an incredibly complicated edit, which it could be. You know, that's why I played that little bit of uh, little bit of Return of the Jedi there. I just yeah, doubt well, that's what that's what got me thinking. Yeah, because at, when you played them back to back, I started hearing my in my head ways that I could kind of replicate that with the track from Jedi. Right, and then I started thinking, oh God, this is either it's. Either it's new music or it's a very clever edit of previously existing material. Right. I mean, like, extremely clever edit. Yeah, I, I thought about that, except that I've, I've not been able to find anything that's close to this second part. That kind of, uh, you know, sounds like trombones to me. Or maybe, maybe tuba in a higher register, uh, which he does. Um, it could be one of those, it could be one of those things. Um, you know, I can't, I, I think that this is a new recording. I mean, just because why wouldn't you at this point, John Williams has recorded so much music for the new movie. We know, here's what we do know, Jimmy. We know that he is at the scoring stage at Sony in Culver City, right? We know he's there with, um, the sort of freelance orchestra of LA session musicians that he works with all the time. Uh, we know that he's there, uh, doing scores for this picture. We've seen this much. We've heard uh, the reports. We've seen an article. I posted an article on Twitter uh, that uh, the American Federation of Musicians po uh, posted an article about John Williams recording Star Wars in LA for the first time. Um, so it's well underway. Why wouldn't it be new music? I guess is my point, right? Why wouldn't exactly, it be new? Exactly. And, and something tells me that just by the, the, the way it was released and just how it was kind of downplayed Something tells me that it might have been the music that inspired the release of the video. They might have said, we have this new music. Let's throw some something new out there. Just give them 15 seconds of, of something. Make it dark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that could have been a directive from JJ's office after reviewing some of the new recordings from John Williams. Maybe. I mean, it's not, I don't feel like this is a showcase piece. Maybe maybe all. they're trying. Maybe it's leading to other things. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, over the next month or two? It could be leading to other things, and and maybe that's true. I mean, this is a very subtle, subtle piece. I mean, we haven't heard any new music really emerging um, that is just overtly new, like a brand new theme, you know. So this could just be a callback to the classic trilogy. It might not necessarily mean that it's a theme for the first order. In fact, I kind of doubt it is. But I like that there's at least some confirmation that. Um, the two are musically connected, just like they're visually connected. And I guess that's really, as far as I'm concerned, that's all that I'm comfortable uh, taking out of this this teaser and out of this new music is that there's a connection there, which I think we all kind of assumed. But uh, really nice to hear John Williams. The other reason I think it's a new recording is that, you know, just listening to it sonically, for those of you who are kind of uh, audiophiles out there, there is some massive low-end rumble 
uh, coming out of these new recordings. I've heard it in all the trailers all the way back to last November. There's like some mean low end coming out of these recordings, you know, really big heaviness, you know, um, and I hear it in this as well. So it makes me think that it's new. Or at least it's coming off the same desk. Maybe Matt Wood is just, you know, he's got the subwoofers going and the sunglasses on, and he's just, uh, he's just uh, rocking out yeah, up at Skywalker Sound. Well, I could very much see that being a reality. Now, uh, I'm, I'm doing some, some combing of the web here just to see if anyone has been able to confirm that this is new music. And uh, I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, outlets are uh, just reporting that it's uncertain. Yeah. So uh, I, I came into this, David, feeling 99% certain that it is new music. But after hearing you, you know, right away, you're the guy who knows more about Star Wars music than anyone, in my opinion. You found a track from the original trilogy that matches up pretty well with this, at least those three notes. Yeah. I mean, if it makes anybody feel any better, I think it's new music. I think it's really clear that it's new music just because it's in the same key and it's got the same sort of, you know, horn up in that register. It makes sense that John Williams would, would harken back to older orchestrations. Um, Mm -hmm. It's in the same key and there's like a similar horn. Um, It could be a music edit. It could be something that they put in there to make it even more overtly Imperial March just for this trailer. But even if it's just, you know, mostly new music, I'm comfortable saying it's mostly new music. Um, but that's the beauty of this. We're never really going to know until we get uh, uh, until until we get to December 18th, right? Yeah, that's true. But like I said, I value your opinion of the Star Wars soundtracks more than anyone. So if you think it's new music, then I think it's new music. So that's... Uh, I think so. That's, uh, that's, that's the faith I have in Star Wars Oxygen. I'm not saying it's and, not uh, been edited. Usually yeah. music for a trailer has been edited like crazy. Of course it's for been sure, edited yeah. to make it you know match these shots. Um, but uh, because it's been edited, that's why I... That's another reason why I feel like it's new. Like, yeah, of course they did some trickery there. You have to if you're going to tell a story in 15 seconds, you know? I, I do see that the Instagram trailer received 57,000 likes in its first hour online. So, that's awesome. once again, Star Wars is breaking the internet. Of course. Of course. Well, that makes sense. The excitement for The Force Awakens is enormous. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. And we won't really know for sure until uh, musically until we see The Force Awakens. Um, and we're just going to have so much to talk about on the show. I'm really excited about that. I'm glad that we have new music uh, to talk about for uh, the first time in a long time. I mean, this is just uncharted territory, and I just can't wait to talk about it. No doubt. And also, I've reached out to Lucasfilm to try to see if they'll answer my question whether or not that actually is new music we're hearing in this trailer. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and when we find out, we'll let you find out. In the meantime, we've been talking about the six films that we know and love already, you know, the classic trilogy. And of course, now we're talking about Attack of the Clones. Um, This is our last volume for now of episode two, Attack of the Clones. We've got a big show today. We've got a lot to discuss about Attack of the Clones. There's still a lot of great music to talk about. Uh, but before we get there, I wanted to get into some listener feedback and uh, and read a couple of emails, Jimmy, that we've been getting. You forward me everything that goes to show at rebelforceradio.com. And of course, I, right. I read everything. And we I love, 
you know, all the Twitter conversations, Facebook conversations, but we get some great emails from people. Uh, this first one I wanted to bring up, Jimmy, was uh, actually uh, from John. And John writes, Hi guys, I've so enjoyed listening to Star Wars Oxygen every month, and I think the show as a whole makes a very compelling argument about the importance of John Williams' music to Star Wars. want to share another little piece of evidence with you. I've attached a clip of my almost two-year-old son singing a medley of Star Wars music. Now, he started doing this with no coaching or encouragement at around 15 months old. I hadn't shown him any of the Star Wars movies, but his older brother and I watched Clone Wars at the time, and there are, of course, many Star Wars toys and books around the house as well. Since then, he's been exposed to much more Star Wars. He loves the Force Awakens trailers, and he continues to sing the Star Wars music around the house all the time. His seemingly instinctual attraction and connection to Star Wars at such a young age definitely speaks to the mythic qualities of the saga, but it's, a, it's much or more a testament to the power of John Williams' music, too. Thanks for the incredible show you two produce each month, and may the Force be with you from John. Check wow. out this clip of John's son singing. <laughs> this is great. I just love this. You know, like at, at such a young age, it's already kind of working him into his into his bloodstream here. Let me let me sing uh, John's son singing some Star Wars music for us. Hey, Harry. Ba 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 Little uh, trail march there. Yeah, Rebel fanfare. All right, kid, what else you got for us? <laughs> yeah. That is. Yes, go big or go home. I like it. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, I was I I remember singing those songs as a kid. I don't know if I was quite as young as as John's son here from this email, but what a great clip. Thanks so much for sending that. There uh, you go. Immortalized yeah. on Star Wars Oxygen. How old is that young man? Uh looks like he is uh almost 2 years old. Almost 2 years old. So around 15 months he started singing like this and uh had with no prompting. He just does it. So I guess uh, dad picked up a recorder and and went nuts. Wow. That's great. Good job. Good. You know, that's a good dad right there and a good older brother. Yep. You're raising little brother to love the wars. And he's obviously on the right track at this point. That's right. That's right. You know, a that's lot awesome. of people uh, write into the show. That's right. Start him young. And when he's ready for Star Wars Oxygen, we can't wait to have him listen. So, you know, I wonder how many how many moms and dads out there have kids that are singing Star Wars music around the house. I know I was one of them. And uh, here we are, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, be prepared. Some things never end. You know? Some things never end. Exactly. Um, we got a lot of other great uh, emails as well. You know, something that keeps coming up, Jimmy. Sometimes we don't have time to get to everything. You know, we right. we we talk about things, but there's just so much to talk about. That's why I always say we'll go back and we'll talk about these movies again at a later date. I feel like there's there's just a never ending supply of interesting topics, but. I wanted to kind of go back because this is something that keeps coming up again and again, and that is a certain connection between John Williams' music and Bernard Herrmann. Uh, do you know okay. who Bernard Herrmann is? He's the composer, you know, is a classic Hollywood composer, most known for his contributions to Alfred Hitchcock films. Right? Ah, yes, of like course. Psycho. So I'm and familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah, you know. Rank, 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 rank. But uh, yeah, so Bernard Herrmann, classic, classic Hollywood composer. 
And in the last volume, we were talking about the scene where Anakin takes revenge on the sand people and slaughters them. Do you remember yes. this? And, and the music of him just like losing his mind and the violins going nuts. You remember this, right? Love it. Yeah. Well, we got an email from Britain, not the country, but Britain, the person, uh, oh, wow. saying, Jimmy and David, a double helping of oxygen in one month. Terrific. Great episodes on Attack of the Clones music so far. But, but... You can't skip by Anakin's slaughter of the Sand People. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Without comparing it to Bernard Herrmann's score for Marnie, a movie called Marnie, uh, pick any time in that film when the character Marnie sees the color red. Unlike All Dogs Go to Heaven too, I think there is an actual connection there. All the best, Britain. So I went ahead and grabbed uh, the score for Marnie, yeah. and I want to play this back-to-back with Anakin kind of kind of losing it over uh over over his mom okay let me just play this for you and see if this reminds you just the beginning of it here of anakin you know looking up as in that menacing way like he does i think it's just that really that beginning part there that uh That part yeah. right there, you know, you got that. Blah, it's yeah. it's not strings doing it; it's more horns, French horns doing it. But, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Bernard Herrmann style of using music to tell what's going on in someone's head, I definitely see the connection there. I don't know if that's if you if you hear it. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm getting visions of Tippi Hedren and Sean Connery right now. Obviously, the stars of Marnie. Um, yes, you know, um, it, it works well because. With Alfred Hitchcock, because that style is, you know, very, it's something that, that enhances the, the psychological thriller that he was so well known for creating. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so to sort of evoke Herman's music from a Hitchcock film and place it into that moment where Anakin is finally at that, at the threshold, you know, where he's, he's had enough. You 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 get the the conflict raging within him. You get the rage building within him through that music that Williams created for that moment there at the the Tuscan Raider camp. Yeah. So definitely one of the highlights for me in in all of the film Attack of the Clones is when Anakin has that moment when he knows he's going to cross the line, and when you're watching it, you feel that intensity build within him. It's, it's almost like pressure building within you place to music. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, um, hectic too. It's, it's, um, yeah, you're using the this, orchestra to convey madness, right? Or, yes, or, yes, or horrible madness. feelings. That's exactly what it is. You know, in the case of Marnie, it's a nightmare, right? Um, uh, I believe it's like a nightmare, a bad dream that she has when she sees red. But yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's that using the orchestra to basically say, this is what's going on in someone's head. You know, it's it's a trick. It's an old classic Hollywood trick. You're using music in order to convey emotion, and in this case, wild emotion. Um, yeah, I totally see it. I don't think that they're orchestrated the same, but I think the the technique is exactly the same. Um, and they are kind of the same sort of like little half step trills there. So, I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely related, but one of the things I wanted to bring up about this and about Britain's email in particular is that 
This is a tradition, a, Bern, a Bernard Herman runs throughout all the Star Wars score, a, Bar, a Bernard Herman connection, I should say, runs throughout all the Star Wars scores, all the way back to the original, because Paul Hirsch, the editor on the original Star Wars, remember we were talking about temp scores way back in our first volume, you know, 20 volumes ago, but we were talking about yeah. temp scores. Yeah. Um, they cut in Bernard Herman music as temp score because, you know, Paul Hirsch worked with Bernard Herman, I think on Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they cut in a lot of music and I wanted to play another clip for you comparing the psycho music to a moment in star Wars. This is another one of those, uh, moments that a lot of people bring up. A lot of people know this, but in case you don't, there's an, there's a part in star Wars that uses pretty much note for note, a very famous three note motif from psycho. I'm going to play for you first, this three note motif from psycho uh, you know, and then I'll play you the scene from Star Wars. But check this out. Let me know what you think. This is from Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho. All right. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. So now I'm going to play you a scene from Star Wars. There's no one here. And they leave the Millennium Falcon and the secret containers open. Boy, it's lucky you had these compartments. It's the same three notes. In fact, he's quoting Bernard Herrmann. That's note for note, right? Yeah, it's it's in a slightly different key, and there's like a little timpani roll at the top, but it's the same three notes. It's actually an homage to to Bernard Herrmann. Probably was in the temp score at that that moment. We don't know for sure, but I I would bet it is, right? Here, I'll play you these two back-to-back again. This is from Psycho. Right? And then this is from Star Wars. Boy, it's lucky you had these guys. Right. Yeah, so it's it's clearly an homage. Thanks, uh, Britton, for bringing that up. And I'm glad we finally got to, to talk about Bernard Herrmann and the Star Wars score and his influence on John Williams. That's definitely a huge influence, and it always has been, you know. John Williams bringing back that classic Hollywood technique of those kind of film scores bringing that to star wars in order to ground star wars in the familiar um something we've always said on this show and that's another great example yeah really good example it just makes me want to go and see psycho now because i want to see exactly what moment that music comes into play yeah maybe it's when they show the that the main house from a from like the perspective of someone standing at the motel. Yeah, I think it's a motif that house. shows up several times. I th- it's one of those things that that kind of keeps going. So, little research project, and of course, feel free to 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 uh, call us out if we're uh, if we're off the mark here. But it's really really cool to hear those things back to back. And of course, a, a simple YouTube search will bring up this fact. Um, you know, and it's something that a lot of you have written in and talked about. So I'm glad we finally were able to be completionists and cover it on this show. Uh, thanks to Britain's email. Also bringing a connection to Bernard Herman to Attack of the Clones. Um, boy, you know, we get a ton of great listener email. I wish we had time to read it all. But one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about on this show is that we got to um, be featured on IGN.com yes. recently. And that was great. And that came purely out of a couple of guys from IGM, Brian Albert and uh, Mitch Dyer, great guys at IGN, 
Uh, one of which I met at Star Wars Celebration. I met Mitch, and then later I met Brian, and and they both said they were fans of the show. And then Brian said, "I'd love to do an article about Star Wars Oxygen." And you and I talked about this, Jimmy, and and so I went and did a um, an interview with them about music for The Force Awakens and about Star Wars Oxygen and Rebel Force Radio, and they did a great article um, about Star Wars music featuring clips from this show. And I just wanted to, first of all, tell everyone about it. If you haven't seen the article, uh, you can do a search for the article. I believe it's called, oh, what is it called? Nine Secrets it's of Star nine Wars Music. things you need to know about Star Wars music. Something like that. <laughs> Why don't I actually bring it up? Thanks so much for that whatever you called article you wrote. <laughs> it's on IGN. <laughs> that's that's our gratitude for you. Thanks, whatever. No, no. Uh, it's actually called... Um, it's called Nine Things You Didn't Know About Star Wars Music from IGN. Yes. And uh, and you can find it on IGN.com. You can find it on, on the Rebel Force Radio Facebook page or on my Facebook page or Twitter feed at David W. Collins. But it was great because they featured... Brian's nine favorite revelations from this show, plus clips. He talked all about it. We shot a little video talking about The Force Awakens. And so it was really great to uh, to talk about that on IGN and expose the show to a new audience. If you're just discovering Star Wars Oxygen, thanks for listening. And boy, it's been awesome to hear how many people binge listen. But I wanted to, before we move into Attack of the Clones, bring in uh, one other tweet that happened this week that I wanted to tell you about. And Jimmy, I haven't even... Haven't told you about this, everybody listening. I didn't tell Jimmy about this before the show started, but I got an incredible uh, tweet from a man named Robert Lopez this weekend. And for those of you who don't know Robert Lopez, he and his wife are the songwriting team that wrote Frozen. Oh my God, you're kidding me. No, they wrote Frozen. They wrote Book of Mormon. They wrote Avenue Q. You know, and he uh, he mentioned it and said, uh, here, I'll read this to you. Spent a stomach flu binge listening to Star Wars Oxygen, John Williams Music Podcast. Uh, terrific and very detailed. Um, he's the writer of the songs for Frozen, which, of course, we all know. My nieces can't get enough of it. And I uh, wanted to say thanks. Thanks so much, Robert, for, for the love of, for uh, Star Wars Oxygen. That was great. David, I'm sorry I have to bring this to your attention, but you misread Robert's tweet. What he that? actually said, got the stomach flu listening to Star Wars Oxygen. Hey, what? no, he did not. Oh, no. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, it's all oh. good. Hey, zing. So thank you to everybody that wrote in. Um, you know, and we've got this mega edition of episode two to get on with. So let's get on with the show and talk about some Star Wars music. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it now. Cool. Now, someone had mentioned to you, Jimmy, something about Across the Stars. We've talked about Across the Stars a lot. I know we have, but it keeps coming up because it's in the show a lot. It's in Attack of the Clones a lot. Someone brought up uh, uh, Hook to you, didn't they? This seems to come up a lot. The main theme Yeah, we Hook. got a few emails from people telling me to check out the first track from the Hook soundtrack. Hook, the, the Peter Pan... Robin based, Williams. Uh, John Robin Williams. Williams film from... Gosh, nineteen ninety one, the mid eighties, right? Nineteen ninety one, I believe. Oh, ninety one! Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, and John Williams did the soundtrack for Hook. I've never yep. sat down and watched Hook, but a lot of people are saying that there are moments in the soundtrack, especially in that first track, that are definitely familiar to those who know the music of Attack of the Clones, specifically Across the Stars. So. 
I got to admit, I've never actually sat and listened to this comparison. Now, you've never so, seen Hook? Yeah, I've never seen Hook. Uh, Hook is one of my favorite John Williams scores ever. I mean, he, say what you want about the movie, the, the score is amazing. Like, he just nails the Peter Pan vibe, you know? It's really, really, really great. Filled with memorable themes. I remember playing the Hook video game on the Super Nintendo and just like, wow, this music's so good. Oh, yeah, it's John Williams. Of course it's good. And I went out and got the soundtrack. But anyway, yeah, so the hook music is great. Uh, I know we featured it on a little prologue after Robin Williams passed away a few volumes ago, but yeah, can't say enough great things about that score. But yeah, you said it's in the prologue? Well, yeah, I think that's, uh, they, they told me the, the first track to check it out. So right before the show started tonight, David, I asked you, I said, do you have the hook soundtrack? And of course you I do. do. Yeah, I do. And I, I brought this up here, so I'll bring it up again, and we'll do a little side-by-side comparison. Well, I won't spoil what I think, but uh, this is just really interesting. Let me play the beginning of Hook here, and let's see if we hear any across the stars. How's that? All right. Here it comes. This is the part I think that's people talk about. I think it's that part. It's just that beginning yeah. part right there. I hear it. I hear it loud and clear. It's it's essentially across the stars, but sped up. It's very fast. You hear that? So I hear it at least. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean... That's it. That sounds like across the stars. There's a difference of like three notes in there. Obviously, tempo differences. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of... I, I just don't think... Here's my take on it. I've never... Because I've, I've seen this a lot. People bring this up, and they tweet it out, Facebook, whatever. Uh, another composer tweeted it at me once, actually. And, and I just thought, well, that's interesting. And then I listened to it, and I'm like, I, I just... I think they're different enough the way that they're being utilized. I mean, one's an adventure about flying out of London and facing danger against Captain Hook, and the other is a love theme. And they're both kind of got this, you know, three-quarter time waltz type of feel, although one's really sped up, so it's more like a, a lilting sailor sea shanty sea chanty than, uh, yeah. you know, than, than really a, a true waltz. But, I mean, I guess so. They're kind of set in minor and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, I, I think they're related and maybe they're kind of, you know, coming out of the same part of John Williams brain, but I don't think he's ripping himself off or anything like that, but I can hear it a little, but just a little, what do you think? Well, I, yeah, I do hear it. I hear it. It's obviously sped up, but, uh, I'm definitely hearing it. It, it's, uh, it's almost eerie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's so. Eerie. I suppose so. But yes, presented in a very different fashion. Yeah. Yeah, presented in a very different fashion, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I see it. I just, you know, I always get weary when people go, oh, he's just ripping himself off, which someone said to me at one point, oh, he's just, it's just Hook. He just reutilized the theme from Hook. I, I don't really think that's true. I think it's, I think, you know, he was making something that was reminiscent of the main title. There's triplets in it. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And that's kind of, 
this, they share the same basis. You know, they they both have triplets. They're both in a minor key, but really, they're really serving two very different uh, purposes dramatically. Um, oh, for sure, and big deal. I mean, is it supposed to be derogatory that he took a riff from the prologue of Hook and recycled it right. and turned it into something different? And I mean, added. Uh, a lush quality to it and really fleshed it out. Yeah. I mean, he had that idea that could have maybe been something he originally wanted to use as the main theme for hook and have that recur throughout the whole film, but he didn't really have it all together at that point. So when, when attack the clones presented itself 10 years later, he realized that he had the perfect music. Right. It just needed a few tweaks. There's nothing wrong with that. Why would someone say, oh, all he did was just read the sometimes, music? Yeah, he wrote I, that music in the first place. So I, agree. I, I think that's pretty cool. I think sometimes people just, just take it there, you know, and, and uh, I generally don't think <laughs> Why it's, do you got to go there, people? Yeah, why you got to go there? Why you got to hate? Don't go there, people. I, I'm a huge fan of the Hook score, a huge fan of the Attack of the Clones sto- score. Um, one thing that's interesting, since we're talking about triplets and waltz and things like that, you know what a waltz is, like a dance. Even if you're not a musician and if you're listening to this show, you've seen people waltz. One, two, three. One, two, three. You know? Right? You know what a waltz is, Jimmy. Well, yeah, if you go to the Haunted Mansion and when you're going through the 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 dining room there, they're waltzing around. Yes, they are. That's, yeah. that's all you need to know. Haunted yeah, Mansion. There you go. Haunted Mansion. Um, so they're waltzing around. Well, what's interesting is that, uh, someone once asked me how many, how many, uh, Star Wars pieces are in three quarter time. And of course, one, two, three, and a one, two, three, and a, right. Uh, across the stars is in three quarter time. It's kind of a waltz, right? Yeah. What if I told you that, um, the Django Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi fight is a waltz in the rain? Yes. It really I, I, is. I see it. It's I don't three... know if I hear it, but I... <laughs> well, it's I, uh, you know. I didn't realize this you can until say I. That. Yeah, I didn't realize this until I was studying it for the show. So we haven't really talked about this. The huge scene between Obi Wan and Jango Fett, the rumble in the rain, the battle on t- of Topoka City. I used to have a sweatshirt, an ILM visual effects crew sweatshirt, because I was, I was working at LucasArts at the time, and the episode two crew gear order form came through the office. And of course I went nuts and I got this sweatshirt that said rumble in the rain. And it was, it looked like a boxing match, you know, uh, you know, live from Topoka city, Camino, Obi-Wan versus Django Fett, you know? So I always think of the scene as the rumble in the rain. Well, after, yeah, you know, this- I think it's really cool that they, they gave you the opportunity to actually order all that stuff. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Although I didn't so want to wear, you just worked for the company. You could, even if you weren't on the crew for Attack of the Clones, you could still order the shirts. Yes, and this was actually like a big debate among, amongst uh, employees because, you know, I'd be like, well, I gotta order it. It's Star Wars stuff. And people were like, well, you didn't work on it, man. I know, but... <laughs> yeah. but I That's mean, funny you bring that up because I think I, that attitude still uh, remains at Lucasfilm because uh, one time uh, David Acord uh, saw me wearing a Skywalker sound shirt and he uh, threatened to confiscate it and <laughs> i said you know they stop, sell thousands of these in the store now. right yeah yeah i i know but, um, i know it's because it's so cool people are fans of this stuff and you know i was working on jedi starfighter at the time and i had read the script and i was working on you know the clone campaigns i was working on a bunch of you know tie-in stuff for attack of the clones and you know was able to be exposed to it a little bit but wasn't working on the show but i couldn't help have that sweatshirt it was so cool 
Anyway, the the it's a great scene. I love that scene between uh, Obi Wan and and Django. So uh, I call it now the waltz in the rain because it's actually in three quarter time. Although it's kind of hidden, but I was listening to this cue and just going, God, you know, even the fight music is somehow related to across the stars it's, it's a little thin but i mean come on let's just take a listen to uh Django's escape here from the original soundtrack and uh i think it's a great great piece of action music and very unique to uh attack of the clones be a little challenging to waltz too, admittedly, admittedly. Yeah. But let me just count this out for you. Two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, two, three, one, 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 two, three. You know what I mean? It's 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 in three quarter time. Uh, I dare someone to try and waltz to that song and put it up on YouTube. I just I just picture Daniel Logan going, Dad, look. Um, <laughs> Well, son, I'm going to go out Walton. there in the rain and I'm going to dance off, pants off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that Jedi. I'm going to dance him around the show floor there. He's not going to know what Tim hit him. Tim Morrison. Thank God we got Tim Morrison here. On, That's right, brother. That's Star right. What Wars do you want Oxygen. to know, brother? You want to know, yeah, you want to know you, how brother? I danced him to death? There's a reason I had that umbrella, brother. I was there doing my Fred Astaire. I was oh, that's life. right. Yeah, I, I remember the behind-the-scenes footage of you guys shooting that scene in the rain. That's right. Um, in front of the green screen. That's uh, right. In you the were rain, walking right. around with an umbrella at one point. That's that was right. Pretty impressive. Yes, doing a waltz, uh, doing a waltz, singing in the rain, and uh, doing a little dancing. <laughs> that's right. With uh, Obi Wan, uh, with uh, you and there, he couldn't dance. He had two left feet, two left Jedi feet. But I showed him, brother. I showed him. I showed him how to oh. dance. So yeah, so you guys were waltzing in the rain. You were aware of this during the, the filming that George Lucas was actually going to have a waltz prepared for you, right? That's right. That's right. That's what they played. They played the, the Blue Danube, brother, on the, uh, on the set there. And that's how we fought. <laughs> we fought. We fought with the waltz there. One, two, three. One, two, three. Want to give you some, uh, some, uh, uh, some Mandalorian dance lessons there? I hit hard, bro. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything. But uh, you hitting as hard as you can. So, uh, uh, wow, it's so great to be able to get caught up here with uh, Tim Morrison, Django Fett actor here on That's Star right. Wars Oxygen. That's Thank right. you so Daniel, much, sir. Daniel, Dan, no, Daniel, I'm, I'm on the microphone. Stop waltzing. You'll never get it right. Oh, these kids today. Well, this anyway. has been a Rebel Force Radio exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it's in three-quarter time. I just thought that was an interesting little factoid. Great piece of music. I've always loved that piece of action music. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's still somehow related to, uh, across the stars in a very, very thin, but strange way. And I imagine I could feel John Williams just kind of going, well, let me, let me play with this, even in the action cue, you know, it's all kind of related in, in very kind of poetic, but not obvious ways, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Three quarter time. Is there a Star Wars film that is as dominated by one singular track, I would argue like that Attack yes. of the Clones is when you think about Across the Stars. Is there any other Star Wars film that could even come close? Yes, I would argue that The Empire Strikes Back does. Okay, yeah, of yep. course the Imperial March is yep. all over that thing. Yep, and it's the second of the trilogy. You know, it's it's <clears throat> and it's even related, right? You know, we talked about this, right? 
being a half step away from, right? I mean, they're kind of related. There's a certain symmetry there. There is a certain symmetry between the prequel trilogy and the classic trilogy musically. You know, the second movie is kind of dominated by a theme. And I I love Across the Stars. I've said this before. Um, And it's amazing that such tremendous love created such intense hatred in Vader, right? And this is the parallel that George draws in, in the prequels. And musically, John Williams is doing the same thing, you know? Um, I, like I said, I mean, I don't think that necessarily, you know, I don't think he went, it was going to go as far as to be like, you know, making across the stars, the action cue for Obi-Wan and Jango Fett. I think that would be a very confusing scene. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it's still, you know, he's just kind of, everything's kind of in this beat of the overall arcing six movie story is kind of rooted in the star-crossed lovers and the political background and drama that, and and deception and, you know, the creation of the secret army in the background. I just think that's interesting. I just think it's an interesting little tidbit. You know, I, I seem to think that Williams had referenced Han and Leia's love theme. I say love theme with the quote marks. But he, he referenced that a few times during Empire, especially. He throw it in at, at weird points during an action sequence, if I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, that's kind of his style, you know. He, he can't be pigeonholed. He'll take the music from Hook. He'll turn it into a love ballad for episode two. And then he'll twist it around inside out and make it into an action sequence for uh, Django Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting in the, the rain. That's right. So you, you can't really hold him back as far as an idea goes. Like George Lucas, he never throws anything away, or he's never really finished with a composition. He'll repurpose it or change it around to fit whatever he needs it to fit. Yeah. 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 It's neat. I mean, again, you, you don't have a lot of time to write this music, right? So you're you're kind of doing variations on a theme and seeing what inspires you and how you can kind of poetically link it all together to make it feel like one cohesive piece, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about one sixth of an even larger cohesive piece soon to be one seventh, right. Uh, as the piece keeps growing and growing and growing, I just think it's a neat, you know, attack of the clones is a neat section that way. Um, it's filled with, uh, connections, right. And I love looking at those connections in this show. I mean, that's really kind of the fun of it, you know, as, how is this all kind of tied together? Um, you know, there's there are other themes that we're that are besides uh, uh, this this theme. Uh, what are we talking about across the stars? There are other themes <laughs> besides across the stars in this show, right? There's there's Obi Wan Kenobi's theme. There's the main title. There's there's you know the Imperial March. There's the Trade Federation theme. There's even Yoda's theme. Yoda's theme is in is in Attack of the Clones pretty prominently, right? I mean, well, I should say maybe it's a little hidden if you didn't notice it, but certainly there's a whole scene with Yoda and the younglings, which we haven't talked about. Beautiful scene where Yoda is, is training these uh, Jedi children, which we had never seen before 2002, when Obi-Wan comes to figure out the mystery of, of this, you know, Kaminoan kyber dart, right? And, uh, and you cut to, uh, to Yoda training these younglings. Beautiful piece here. Here it comes, and you get a little bit of Yoda's theme here. There it is. There's Yoda teaching the kids. They've all got their little mini lightsabers, you know. 
really nice underscore as Obi-Wan's explaining to Yoda what's going on, and Yoda's introducing him to the younglings here. Still a little bit of Cross the Stars still, you know? Just kind of sprinkled in there for flavor. It's kind of the connecting thread throughout this whole movie. And then when they decide to ignite the little star map for all the kids to look at, you get this gorgeous, gorgeous little piece of choral music right here. It's kind of like a, a different side to Yoda, who was so gruff in uh, Dagobah, you know, because there was no time with Luke. There's just no time to do anything, you know, just get him out there, get him ready. And here he is with these kids, and you, this piece just kind of captures the awe and wonder of kids, and, you know, truly amazing or wonderful, the mind of a child, I think he says. And that's kind of what you have here, um, as Yoda's connecting with these kids and connecting with Obi-Wan, and they're looking at the star map. Never heard anything like this in Star Wars before. Reminds me of like Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, if anything. But yeah, you get a little Yoda theme in there. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. And yeah, much softer. And, uh, you know, Yoda himself said Luke was too old. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why his training process was probably a little more hardcore than the kids, you know, with the, the patient Yoda. How wonderful it is, the mind of a child. Yeah. You, know, you know, Luke got none of that. He got ripped no. off. Yep, but Luke didn't was get too any old. of that. And, uh, and, and the music on Dagobah definitely reflects that. It's, it's much more raw and a little more, um, I mean, it still has all the lush qualities of John Williams, but it's not soft. Or they pulled like the music out and they just, let the, they just let the Dagobah Swamp be the Dagobah Swamp, which was music of its own. You know, this kind of raw, right. like, you know, you don't, there's nothing magical about what you need to do right now. You just need to jump over that log and you need to, everything that we talked about in previous volumes in the show, just, you need to grind here for a while and, and get in shape and figure this out. You know, no truly amazing is the mind of Mark Hamill. No, no, you don't get that, Luke. No, instead, you better <laughs> lift this rock or you better fall on your head. And then at the end, he tells him he failed. So, yeah. I mean, what was it? Yeah, go, go fight words? yourself in the magic tree for a little bit and, you know, ponder on that as you try not to have nightmares. I mean, we'll be over here playing with a star map. No, no, no. But yeah, it's a nice side to Yoda that we didn't get to see in Empire or Jedi. You know, we got to see hints of it. Obviously, he was magical, but to actually see Jedi in training like that, what a neat thing uh, to see for the first time with Attack of the Clones. And yeah. then, yeah, you know, I always felt everything was off seeing Yoda outside the swamp or outside of a more natural environment. Seeing Yoda within the hallways of the Jedi temple always took a lot of getting used to for me, even still to this day, a little bit. It, it does. Hmm. I'm even speaking like Yoda, even to this day, a little bit, a little it bit. Does. It does. I just said, just said that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to have the callback to the music that you so readily identify with the Dagobah swamp being played, you know, much softer, as you said, kind of representing the, Innocence of children and yeah. Yoda, much like a lot of senior citizens when they're around little kids, they kind of soften up themselves, mm -hmm. you know, and you see that with Yoda, who yeah. is the most senior of senior citizens, that yeah. even at 900 years old, you still 
kind of revert to childhood when you're around a kid. It's and kind so of his to have Yoda yeah. in that unfamiliar environment, being the Jedi Temple, unfamiliar to us original trilogy fans, and seeing Yoda there, it's nice to have that callback to the swamp and to Luke's yeah. Jedi training. Yeah. Although being presented in a way different way. Yeah, because we got it a little bit in The Phantom Menace, but you really get it in a really emotional way here. And, and to me, what always worked about this scene was, I always felt like this is Yoda's Dumbledore moment for you Harry Potter fans. I mean, this is the first Harry Potter movie had come out, right? Which John Williams also did. But here you have these children learning in the Jedi Temple, and you've got this kind of wise old wizard teaching them which is kind of what Obi-Wan really wanted to do with Luke and Yoda wanted to do with Luke later on. But this is, this is the ideal circumstance for teaching younglings about the Jedi, the Jedi way, right? And, uh, and it's kind of nice and magical, and it's very sweet, you know? And he lets the kids do the talking and the answering for Obi-Wan, who's too caught up in worldly affairs and political matters to see clearly something that's so obvious that a kid's just like, look, obviously somebody just erased it and somebody actually did that, which is the unthinkable. No one would actually think that a Jedi with access would go in and tamper with this because it's so um, scandalous to do. But that's the only explanation. So why don't you just assume that, that your gut is correct, no matter what Jocasta New says. It does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and go out there, you know. And I guess that's the point he's trying to make. But anyway, I like that. You know, you get Yoda's uh, music again later on during the uh, the fight with Dooku. Great music here at the end of the movie, uh, written specifically for this. But when Yoda is fighting with uh, Dooku... I've become more powerful than any Jedi. You get some great music here. Even you. Mostly just kind of showdown music. It's not like it's uh, super thematic at first. You get a little, get a, again, across the stars in there. Right, they start fighting with lightsabers. You still are getting across the stars a little bit. But really, when Yoda really shows off his true power when he saves the day, you do get Yoda's theme. And that's when Dooku starts throwing pieces of rock and ceiling around. Uh, Listen carefully for Yoda's theme coming up here. And one sure way to tell that this was written specifically for this scene is that the, the dialogue actually, or the music drops out right as the dialogue starts. It's timed perfectly for the dialogue to come in. Right here. But well you have, my old bad one. This is just the beginning. Here, here comes Yoda's thing. brass right Yoda saves the day as uh, Dooku kind of escapes there but isn't that cool a little bit Very. of Yoda callback in the Yoda fight finally that's right I forgot all about that I yeah. forgot all about that but yeah sure enough you do hear that loud and clear at that moment yeah you really do. good stuff man and you know I I the callbacks to me were more limited in the prequels than I thought they would be going into it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's all due to the fact of, you know, George Lucas has the preference of, you know, 
degrees. And John Williams, of course, doesn't want to be hired back to do the same old thing. Yeah. So um, I just love it when it ties the two trilogies together. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for those kind of things. Well, he saves. We were talking earlier moments. about Yoda training the, the younglings, and this has nothing to do with music, but everything to do with tying the two trilogies together because Obi-Wan Kenobi claims by the time of the original trilogy that he was trained by Yoda. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's what's so important about having that sequence with Yoda training the younglings because you realize that. They all go through Yoda at some point. He trains all the kids to become Jedi. And so they sort of have to make it by him to to move up into something like a Padawan status or, you know, Padawan eligibility, let's just say. Mm -hmm. They have to get by Yoda. I mean, that's how I look at it. Don't you think of it that way that Yoda trains all the younglings at some point? Sure. Yeah, it seems that way. It seemed that's why I use the Dumbledore example, right? Like he's got his finger on the pulse of what's happening in terms of younger Jedi and who are becoming Jedi. There just aren't that many Jedi to begin with. Right. You know, there just aren't that many. There's only enough for them to be generals in the, in the war. You know, they can't police the galaxy. They just don't have the numbers. You know, that's why it's such a big deal. Um, when you're in the arena and all of those Jedi lightsabers ignite throughout the arena, that's like, like almost like the entire Jedi temple showed up. You know, and when Yoda arrives at the clone army, that's the only way that they're able to compete. You know, that's the message that, that you're given is, you know, well, finally, we, we've got a way of fighting back. Never mind that this way of fighting back was handed to us, you know, in a really shady way by a politician who, you know, created this war. But whatever, you know, we're, we're actually going to show up. And we're going to save our friends, you know, and, and, uh, and fight this treachery and fight for what we know to be right, which is the republic that's stood for thousands of years. So let's, you know, we have to fight back and we have to, there's no time to ask questions, which of course is purely by Palpatine's design anyway. But, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, there aren't that many Jedi. You need the, you need the clone army in order to actually wage a war. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I do think to back to your original question or your statement actually, which is that Yoda does know who all the Jedi are. You know, the, the, the Jedi council is not that big. And they all have their finger on the pulse of what's going on, not only in the Jedi Temple and with the Jedi Order, but what's going on in the Senate, what's going on with politics. And, and they're trying to be a symbol, symbolic police for peace and justice throughout the galaxy. And that's all they really can be. And so when trouble stirs like this on an interplanetary level with a giant army of droids, yeah, Yoda knows he can't compete. So what does he do? He actually looks at uh, what uh, Obi-Wan is reporting back from Kamino and he puts it into service, which, you know, which he was just completely baited to do. But what is he going to do? You know, this whole thing is falling apart. It's a, it's a forced play, right? Anyway, we're bringing up the arena. Actually, I, I mentioned at the end of the last show that I was actually going to talk a little bit about the end of the film. And boy, this is where Attack of the Clones gets really complicated. I mean, this thing is just, it's just filled with music edits, Jimmy. Everyone knows it. We've talked about it. I mean, the end of this movie has so much music from The Phantom Menace in it. Everyone brings it up again and again and again. There's music that was written for Attack of the Clones that was just not used at all, right? And uh, I want to play some of that. But I want to just basically look at the movie from, I don't know, around the time they first go to uh, Geonosis to basically the Yoda fight that I just played for you, because that... 
there are some changes, but that stuff was all written for Attack of the Clones, right? But there's right. just so much music and so many changes that were made so late in production on Attack of the Clones that a lot of John Williams' music, unfortunately, was not utilized. And they edited in music, music from The Phantom Menace. We know this, right? Yeah, we've talked about this on prior yeah. episodes. I'm still not really sure why all that is, but... I think, I don't know for sure, but I, I've i done some research, and I want to give a couple of uh, shout-outs here, specifically to a, fi- uh, to a site called uh, jwfan.com. I think we've talked about this website before, but for those of you listening that are really into John Williams, not just Star Wars, but John Williams music or Star Wars, there's a great... John Williams fan site called jwfan.com. It's been around for many years. And they actually do Q by Q analyses of certain film scores. One of the ones that they did, lucky for us, was episode two, Attack of the Clones. jwfan.com, complete score analysis. And I was sitting here struggling for a couple of months about how we were going to talk about this, only to look at this and realize that uh, a guy named John Takis or John Takis did this already over 10 years ago. And he goes through and gives you a cue-by-cue breakdown of how certain things were utilized from The Phantom Menace and how certain cues that John Williams wrote were not used. Ah. And it's really neat. I want to walk us through that, but I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, I give credit where credit is due here because this guy put in a lot of work and it's, it's really an incredible breakdown and he nails it. So um, the first thing, though, that I wanted to play for you was a little bit of the arena. You know, when they go into the arena after the, 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 the love pledge, as, as John Williams calls it on the original soundtrack album, the music dies down for the big monster fight, right? You've got that reek and that acclay and that nexu, and there's no music at first. You remember this, right? Yeah. Let me just play a little bit of the original of how this goes from the love pledge on. So they're, they kiss, and they're on the chariot, the Ben-Hur chariot, you know, and they get pulled into the arena. And eventually, you know, the crowd is cheering their demise, like it's Spartacus or Ben-Hur or something. And then you get this kind of uh, marching to the gallows type of cue, you know. Beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I retrain. So all this music plays. We're introduced to Poggle the Lesser. One of the coolest voices ever. No music. They add in a bunch of drums from the crowd, you know, like Gene Ocean's beating on drums in the crowd. Here's the reef. Up next is the Acclay. And then Danger Kitty shows up, the Nexu. Right? We start approaching our heroes. So this whole battle ensues, right? And it's just no, no music. And the music Danger doesn't kitty. <laughs> What's that? Danger Kitty. Danger Kitty. Um, the music doesn't show up again until Anakin tames the uh, the reek. 
right about here. Let's see if I can find it here. And then the timpani comes in with uh, with uh, Anakin about to mount the reek, right? Not not yeah, the reek. So there's no music throughout that whole thing. Well, there was a piece of music that was written, and there's no really clear in and out point per se until you actually get to when the Jedi invade and it starts to line up again. Uh -huh. So I, I think the sequence went through a ton of changes. So there's no clean ending to this. But I'm pretty sure the beginning of this is how they meant for it to go down. And that is like this. This is all how it is in the film. Once he makes this second announcement, there is a March of the Monsters cue right here. Now. all from the original soundtrack I've got album, a bad too. feeling about this. And here's evidence that it was written for the scene. Music Just comes relax, down, concentrate. right in time Padme? for them to talk. She right? seems to be on top of things. And then it comes back up. It just goes on and on and on like that, right? It's just this kind of like relentless march of the monsters that just keeps going and going and going. Why do you think he cut that? You know, sometimes producers of the film will just back off and let the sound department do their thing because they have such great sound. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just felt like they were taking away from the monsters themselves and from that amazing sound design by mm -hmm. putting it in. Um, I'm sure, David, you've been in many situations yourself where you think music would go good with a piece you've produced. And then when you lay the music underneath it, you're like, oh, well, you know what? It makes it too busy. It, may, You know, now I didn't sense that that clip you played was just too busy. It wasn't being overwhelmed by the music necessarily. It was static. It felt a little static to yeah, me. Maybe it, maybe the desired effect in the end was completely lost due to the fact that the marriage of the visual and the sound design along with the music just didn't work mm -hmm. in the end. So yeah, it does. You know what? You are right. 
there's it doesn't add anything mm-hmm. to the scene, and I think that's probably the bottom line. Mm-hmm. What does the music bring emotionally to the scene? What does the music do to to promote the action you're seeing on screen? And 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 you're right; it probably does leave it overall feeling a little flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think more to the point, when you have music playing that's not adding anything, you have to ask yourself the question, what does it take away from the moment that I'm trying to punctuate that's coming up, right? You know, like, in other words, they just had this huge love uh, statement, the love pledge, right? The most soaring statement of the entire movie is as they're going into the, um, into the arena, right? That's the orchestra goes nuts. Then you have some tension music as they're being marched out to the gallows, right? And then when the monsters show up, just let the sound of the crowd just overwhelm you because that's the, you're you're more in the you're in the fight, you're in the horror, right? Kind of back to our conversations about Empire in this way, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't uh, the music doesn't bother me, but it doesn't say much. I think the biggest problem with the Phantom Menace is that it becomes hard to track what music was meant for what. Um, as there are so many music edits at the back half. In fact, we could rewind. Um, this is an interesting fact. For those of you that are so- soundtrack hunters, um, there were four versions. Maybe it was five. Was it four or five? There were four different covers released for the Attack of the Clones soundtrack in 2002 with different characters on them. Do you remember this? Uh, yeah, vaguely. I, I was not collecting them. I believe I ended up with the Yoda cover. Mm-hmm. There was a Yoda cover, a Django cover. I believe there was an Anakin cover, and there was one other that I'm missing. But um, what's interesting is that there was a Target exclusive that featured one extra track, which was uh, called the Conveyor Belt, right? So if you bought it at Target, there was an exclusive extra track called the Conveyor Belt, which is barely used in the movie. And it's a really cool track. I'll, I'll play a little bit of this for you. Some of it will sound familiar to you because it's used in bits and pieces. Right? Right, and it just goes on and on. So it goes on and on and on, and you'll hear little bits and pieces here and there. But if you actually listen to the movie and you go to jwfan.com, you can actually sit there along with this uh, <laughs> along with this movie and hear the music edits. And it goes back and forth between a Phantom Menace piece and the Yoda fight, which we already played. And then it goes to a piece from the Phantom Menace. And then it goes back to the conveyor belt piece. And it goes, I mean, it literally changes in in within 10 seconds there can be three different music edits um let me just play you this uh conveyor belt cue here um because it's gonna go back and forth um just so that you can look at it mostly it goes back and forth uh between the following music cues on the conveyor belt if you're uh, looking at the soundtrack right and you're looking at the track list of the soundtrack you've got basically um track 14 which is what i'm talking about the conveyor belt then you've got t- track 12, which is the arena, 
that was cut that I just played for you. Then you've got uh, track 13, which is the Yoda fight, right? The confrontation with Dooku, right? Then you've got a little bit of the speeder bike chase through Coruscant with Zamwazel, right? And these are just going back and forth and back and forth. And then there are a couple of little unknown pieces here, like, you know, um, Yoda basically fighting with Dooku, which isn't on the soundtrack. But it just, it, this, is, this is how the back half of this movie goes. It's, it's edit after edit after edit, just kind of piecing something together. So let me see if I can bring up the uh, conveyor belt here. After, well, actually, there's a run-in with Geonosian. This is, this is all original uh, Attack of the Clones music here. Right. All original. Right. Now you're just all over the place. You've got the arena. A lot of the arena. Now you're back to the Dooku fight. This is the Dooku fight right here. Machines making that they cut in. How Calm down, Artu. I almost fell. You get your chance alone. I'm scrapped. It's a nightmare. I want to go home. Ah! What did I do to deserve this? You've got the Zamwazel chase, right? Now you've got Yoda. You've got Yoda on the conveyor belt from the Dooku fight. And then we're going to go back to the uh, chase through Coruscant here. You get the idea, right, Jimmy? I mean, we could do this for the arrest, the whole rest of the movie. That it just goes from... I call from, her Zam Wessel. And you call her Zam Wessel. When we did a game called Star Wars Bounty Hunter, we actually had uh, Tamora Morrison and... Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. What's her name? Zamwazel. Oh, she's one of my all-time favorites. And uh, she in the game she refers to herself as Zamwazel. Um, so I've always called her Zamwazel since then. But I don't really know. Maybe maybe we were wrong when we did it. I didn't uh I wasn't the director on Bounty Hunter. I was I was just the sound designer or one of them. Um but uh yeah, I mean it just goes on and on and on like that where you know there's just so many different uh pieces of music from the phantom menace um even before they arrive when when or when they 
get to the conveyor belt. When they first arrive on Geonosis, when Anakin and Padme first arrive on Geonosis, you have the opening from The Phantom Menace cut in. You know, you've got music, unreleased Phantom Menace music from the Phantom Menace uh, video game when Mace Windu, Mace Windu shows up on Geonosis. You've got, um, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff when he says this party's over. That's the beginning of the Phantom Menace. Um, the beginning of the Phantom Menace again and again and again and again. You know, the super battle droids advance and you've got kind of the invasion of Naboo. I mean, it just goes on like this throughout the the whole end of the movie. The Battle of Geonosis is a lot of the um a lot of the the fight uh, uh or I should say when the queen starship escapes from Naboo you know that's that's all in there i mean there's just so much music from the phantom menace here at the end um you know uh the ultimate edition uh different tracks coming in um god it just goes and goes and goes and it doesn't really get back on track until dooku is escaping and you get to the yoda fight and that's when you start getting back to original music to attack the clones. And yeah. uh, I don't know why this is, but you asked this question, but I think it has to do with a couple of things. And and this, um, this guy from uh, jwfan.com says that he has an inside source that uh, said that it's because they added the, the 3PO subplot of him switching heads with a battle droid very late in production, which totally changed the timing of the sequence of the conveyor belt. And they ended up having to redo and basically make a cue out of nothing, a ton of music edits. And um, they did that throughout the entire back half of the film. I mean, John Williams scored Attack of the Clones in February of 2002. The movie came out in May. And when the movie came out, George was still doing shots. He was still finishing shots, even though he released it in theaters. It was the first digital film. They they didn't have to, to go through that process where they had to shoot film and then digitize it and then put it back on to film. Well, they had to print, you know, films for theatrical release, but everything was digital for the first time for George from beginning to end. They saved a ton of time and money. They shot digitally, they put it in the computer and he just played and played and played and played until the, until he could play no more. And they released the thing. And the back half of the half of the movie changed dramatically from when John Williams um, first scored it to the end. I don't know why um, he didn't have a second crack at, redoing that whole sequence. Um, I also heard that the Imperial March at the end of the movie when the clone army is assembling was also a pickup. Originally, that wasn't supposed to be there, according to GWFan.com. An inside person said that it was a huge orchestral blowout at the end with the uh, clone army, but um, there was a pickup and it was replaced with a new recording of the Imperial March. Um, I actually have that, which I think is really interesting. Since we're uh, approaching the end of the movie, can I play this uh, Imperial March for you here? For sure. Yeah, I love this part. Actually, you know, there's a little Easter egg in here. I want to see if you if you uh, if you hear this. I actually think All this right. is really funny. So here is the end here with uh, the Imperial March pickup. When he says, "Begun the Clone War has." is right there. And it's building to the Imperial March here. We're coming up here pretty soon. Here it comes.
us again. And then he brilliantly cuts to the wedding at the lake on Naboo. These themes are linked. It's a really emotional ending to a Star Wars movie, you know, ending this way, this big sweeping orchestral score. I, I, this is actually one of my favorite end credit sequences, the way this kind of wraps up here. Um, into the main end credits. You know, and the end credits really just kind of feature across the stars, uh, besides, of course, doing this Rebel fanfare here. the main title. And it segues down into the love theme. It sounded like a music edit to me. A little bit, yeah. 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 Which makes sense if you had to pick up the whole ending of the film, you know. All right, man. Well, I, I'm completely um, number one spellbound by the amazing music, but I'm uh, I'm befuddled. You, you have me in a state of befuddled, and uh, that's because I, I couldn't find the Easter egg you wanted me to find. Oh, good. Well, I, I this little Easter egg, I kind of I kind of glossed over it, but um, here, let me let me play something for you. It's completely like one of those things that someone would find, you know, only in this day and age. Because of a very popular TV show, Begun the Clone War Has. Ready for this? All right. Right after that. Before the Imperial March. See if you can hear this. Not yet. It's not really an Easter egg in the classic sense. Here it comes. Game of Thrones. Did you hear that? That's the theme of Game of Thrones? Every every time I hear this, I think of Game of Thrones now. Of course, it wasn't out in 2002. Uh, well, I hear it when, when you pointed it out. I, I definitely heard well, it. Well, now you'll never not hear it. It's, I mean, it's like, it's the Game of Thrones theme. Listen oh, to this. Oh, no. What have you done? <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, no. Here it is. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> yep. Oh Spoiled you God. forever on that. You've done it now, yep. Collins. Yep, 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 yep. You've completely taken me out of the film for every <laughs> future screening of Attack of the Clones I'll ever have. They'll be like, dun, 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 dun. where's Khaleesi? I don't know where Jon Snow is. I think, oh, no. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> There's dragons. There's dragons in your Star Wars. No. Oops. Yeah, yeah brother, funny. it's Game of that Thrones, brother. So I like that show. I it was my suggestion, brother. I wanted oh, the Game back. of Thrones back Tim, in the. Uh... That's right. Can't get rid of the guy. No, no, brother, He's you can't get back rid of me for more. Uh, you were fabulous in um, uh, Green Lantern. Where's Tim my... said nobody. Where's my spinoff? Hey, hey, watch it, brother. I hit hard, bro. <laughs> Things you wouldn't say directly to Tim Morrison's No, face. you would not. You would not say that. No, I'm. A, I'm. A, I've been working out, brother. I'm waiting for where's I, I my see where's that. my spinoff? You're huge now. Where's my spinoff? I want my spinoff. You should, yeah. They're, they're, you know, Django Fett is my favorite Mandalorian warrior. I want to see. I would see a Django Fett spinoff in a heartbeat. I would love to see a Django spinoff with Tamara Morrison. I'd love that. Well, you know, as as cool as that sounds, I think the reality of it is slim. Probably because a- I think if they're going to expand on that mythology at all, they're going to do so with Boba Fett. Great. Tamara Morrison is Boba Fett. Works perfectly. Bring Tim on board is Boba. That could be cool. Boba. That could be cool. Rohit, Ruit, Sohit, Badit, Badit. I don't know what he says there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I asked him once at Celebrate, what did you say? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my favorite people, uh, favorite people on the planet. I just love working with Tamara Morrison. Anyway, so I hope, we, if you, if, Tim, if you ever hear this, please do. <laughs> <laughs> don't come after me i i do it with much love and respect but no um yeah that's attack of the clones i mean there's so much more we could talk about there's little things hidden throughout I, I mean we could go clip by clip all the way from you know uh the tatooine sequence all the way through to the end about all the music that's been replaced just know that you know so much of the conveyor belt sequence is a chopped up version of other parts of attack of the clones music and then once you actually get into the Clone Wars, the arena battle towards the end and the Clone Wars, it's a lot of Phantom Menace music all the way through to the Dooku fight, and it starts picking up into original music again. Um, and David, David, does that hurt the film overall, in your opinion? I think it does. Yeah. I, I, it does. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably, to me, the saddest part of the prequel trilogy uh, musically is that we, we didn't really get a... We didn't, I, you know, if they ever do a special edition of Attack of the Clones, I'd love for John Williams to get a crack at, at kind of doing something similar to, you know, what they ended up with. I'm pretty sure that John Williams was involved in the music edits. I mean, Ken Wanberg has been John Williams' music editor for years and years, and Ken Wanberg was the editor on this film, and, and uh, they did a great job. And usually these things happen at the very, very last minute, you know, and we sit in, you know, we have the luxury years later of dissecting it. We have more time to dissect it than they had time to probably put it together in order to get the the last couple reels of the film done. But they did a good job. I mean, it works. It works. It's just as as music aficionados, as people that love John Williams' music and would love to dissect what he did in, at the end of this movie, you you really have to kind of just dissect the music at it, which is a lot of, you know, repurposing um, the, the Phantom Menace. And, you know, look, I'm going to talk in, in a million video games, we took these scores and chopped them up every which way we could in order to get them musically to work. I think about all the brilliant work that Jesse Harlan and 
and uh, Jay White and some of these colleagues of mine did, you know, music editing this stuff together to fit to picture that it wasn't intended for. That's what they had to do at the end of this movie, and and I wish that they didn't. But, um, you know, those are still some of the most exciting sequences in the movie for me, some of my favorite sequences. Um, I love the arena. I, I love the clone, the Battle of Geonosis, you know, the documentary style of that. I just wish we had more John Williams, that's all. Um, and I think a lot of people agree on this. I, I generally don't like to, you know, say that I'm disappointed in something, but I mean, this is a music podcast about original music. And in this particular case, yeah, I think it hurts the film. I think it uh, is unfortunate, but I, I, it was probably a necessary compromise. Attack of the Clones of all three of these movies seems to be the one that had the hardest time finishing. And people have always famously said that the second chapter of any trilogy like this is the hardest to put together. Certainly it was with the Two, two, the two Towers or Empire or, uh, you know, uh, in this case, Attack of the Clones. You know, that's really hard to do. And that's probably why this happened. For the first time, they were really able to do this so quickly. Um, you know, let's just add shots very quickly in a whole sequence. And um, that, I think, is part of the baggage of, of new technology and, and ILM hitting its stride, making the first ever, ever digital feature of this scale, sort of a tentpole summer movie shot completely digitally, which was scandalous at the time in the film industry, you know? Um, sure, yeah. By the way, there's a great uh, documentary for people that are really curious about this. Um, it's called Side by Side. Um, it's actually hosted by Keanu Reeves, but it features George Lucas, James Cameron, Martin Scorsese, um, uh, Christopher Nolan and his cinematographer and a bunch of cinematographers and directors of photography talking about the transition from film to digital. And George is on there talking about Attack of the Clones, saying at one point, you know, he he had a bunch of filmmakers up to Skywalker Ranch to talk about this. And some of them, you know, were basically, you know, short of calling him the devil, they were calling him the devil for doing this. You know, you're going to ruin film. I mean, they were calling crying foul and conspiracy theories at George because he was trying to push technology forward. And he kept saying, look, this is a 19th century technology that we're still using 100 years later for no reason. We have to yeah. push things forward. It's a fascinating documentary. It's called Side by Side. It's streaming free on Netflix. If you're curious about the history of, uh, of digital photography and how the film industry has still not quite made a leap. Of course, The Force Awakens shot on film, right? Right. And... Um, uh, what the dirty dozen, what's that movie that, uh, Quentin Tarantino is putting out that's being shot on film and 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter. Anyway, the films still exist and they're still film purists, but attack of the clones historically was a quantum leap forward in digital filmmaking. Um, and it's funny by today's standards, it was shot pretty low wrote, excuse me, there's a delay in my headphones in case people think I'm having a stroke on mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I trip over my tongue because I'm hearing my voice twice. Anyway, um, uh, you know, at the time it was shot high definition, but it was really only around 2K. Well, nowadays things are shot in 4K, 6K, but you couldn't get a, a 4K of Attack of the Clones. It doesn't exist because it was shot on 2K. Those are the only Attack of the Clones pixels that exist. It's blue. It's Blu-ray quality. It's not 4K. You know. Because that was digital technology at the time. You can't do a higher resolution scan than that. Interesting. Okay. Um, so uh, that's that's pretty interesting. So the, the documentary is called Side by Side. Mm -hmm. It's available now on Netflix. I'm mm -hmm. going to check it out. That's really interesting. I didn't know anything about it. And it, it really sounds compelling. I thought for sure when 
Lucas was introducing the world to digital cinema. Essentially, he was the. Uh, there were theaters installing digital projectors yes. specifically for Attack of the Clones. Yes, there were no there were no digital theaters. You had to. There were there were a few, and uh, in a metropolitan area like like I live in in Chicago, there there were a, a, a few, a handful, yes. three maybe. And theaters started installing them because of Attack of the Clones. Many of those theaters still maintain those projectors. It's all because of the Attack of the Clones. I thought we were on the verge of a new era of technology. I thought that episode two would really lead the way and cause a revolution, a digital revolution in filmmaking. It did, but it was and, painful. Um, it was painful. As far as the actual physical medium of film is concerned. I, I thought for sure theaters would be downloading movies and there would be no reels in the machine and 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 those days were over the with the big plates, you know, but still to this day it, it persists. Well and, uh, there most big theaters now are are digital. You know completely. Yeah, pretty much. You know, they're they're okay, pretty much all okay. digital now. I mean yeah, I mean they weren't back in the day. It was still I mean you'd go to a film oh, and you'd see all. it snap. You know, I mean that would happen. Um, or you'd right, see a right. print or get the, dirty. The, the classic cigarette burn. Yeah. Yeah. You'd you know, see it. Yeah. That whole fight club sequence. Evaporate right? right in front of your, your yeah. face. So, I mean, that was a reality of going to the movies even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And the idea you'd want to go see it opening weekend because the print was still fresh. It didn't have scratches on it. Yes. You know, yes. it hadn't snapped or broken or whatever. I mean, this was a real exactly. thing. Exactly. Now exactly. that doesn't happen. I mean, other things can happen, you know, um, but, but the uh, industry itself, the filmmakers are still creating the movies on film. Christopher and, Nolan uh, it's shoots very everything. costly. Mm -hmm. It's it takes longer, and pretty you can do pretty much everything digitally that you can do on film, and much more so. Oh. So I was well. See this documentary and see which industry has been so reluctant to accept it. See this documentary because you'll you'll be amazed. I mean, the the back and forth. I mean, um, David Lynch is in it. David Fincher's in it. Martin Scorsese, like I mentioned. Um, some people will not give up film. They just won't. Right. They just don't think it's good enough. And that's what they say. It's not good enough. The dynamic range isn't good enough. The resolution isn't good enough. And other people call them crazy. It's fascinating what's been happening to film over the last, uh, I don't know, 10, 20, I guess 20 years. But and anyway, Lucas was there holding the door wide open. He was the and, pioneer. Uh, he has always been the pioneer with this stuff. And so, you know, why do I bring this up on a podcast about John Williams? Well, because I think that, you know, his whole reason for shooting digitally is so that he could push things in post-production as far as he possibly could. And that's what happened with Attack of the Clones. You're making the middle of the chapter. I'm going to go up to the very, very, very end. Is there a direct correlation? I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But as far as speculation goes, and John Williams is a very, very busy man with a very demanding schedule. We know this about him. I'm sure that when he made those changes, you know, they probably got caught up in the fact that they couldn't reschedule this. There was no time, you know, and they made the changes. They made it work. George approved it and it went out in theaters. That's it. You know, that was and, and I don't think uh, I, I don't think uh, it's the strongest decision for the movie. However, that might be a little bit. Uh, too inside baseball for me, being a guy that's obsessed with these soundtracks. I think yeah, it works. Right. I mean, does it work? Yes, the scenes work. You know, you can say what you want about the plot or the love story or whatever it is, but, you know, you're not sitting there harping on the fact that they're using the Phantom Menace. If you don't like Attack of the, Clone, 
Attack of the Clones. It's generally not because of the music. I think there is an overall feel, like we said, the psychology of knowing that that it's not original makes you feel like it's a little less than the other movies, which is an interesting, unexpected psychology that I'm sure that no one working on the film anticipated. But it does feel a little less original than The Phantom Menace because you hear music from The Phantom Menace in it. It's just a byproduct for me. I don't know. And it's something very surprising coming from Lucas, who really puts a lot of stock and a lot of faith in the quality audio experience that you have as a film goer. He doesn't put all of his eggs into the visual basket. He's very sensitive about sound and he's very sensitive about music and uh, his soundtracks typically reflect that. And uh, same thing with John Williams as a composer. And so that's why it's just sort of something very different for star Wars to uh, have that, uh, you know, lackluster moment of the film where you realize you're getting a lot of recycled music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed that I uh, thought that uh, movie theaters were still using uh, film projectors, but Some uh, what might are you going to do? I mean, I'm I an old school kind of guy, you know? Well, I mean, look, and, uh, I'm, I'm in a major metropolitan area too, right? So I, I don't think it's, I, I'm sh- film canisters are still around. Film cans are still around. Film is still being developed. It's still around. But if you go to like a major movie chain, they're they're projecting digitally at this point. Like your you know? AMC theater. Yeah, and, if you're at AMC or or any of those, you know, they're they're using a digital print. You know, there you go. It's yeah. it's so you know, I I think it's kind of like if we were to see an analog print at this point, we would think something's wrong. Kind of like when we saw the Return of the Jedi thirtieth thirtieth uh, anniversary print, an original film print at the Egyptian right. in two thousand thirteen. Do you remember this? Yeah, of course I remember. It was scratchy and, and I mean, it was just, it just beat up to heck, right? But I mean, it was so cool to see an original print, but that was from 97, you know? That's right. It was a special edition release. Yeah. Yeah. Because film degrades. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up. That's why you keep it in cold storage, you know? Keep those archives in cold storage. Anyway. Yeah. Fascinating. Attack of the Clones is, you know, say what you will about it. It's a fascinating movie for, you know, it's a breakthrough pioneering movie. It's got incredible music in it. You know, my only complaint is that I want more. It's like uh, the pizza analogy. I just want another slice of pizza, man. That's that's all it is, you know. But um, no, you're right. You're right. When it, when it's hitting on all cylinders, it's some of the best. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just at the end of the day, my final thought on the Attack of the Clone soundtrack. At the end of the day, I think all in all, the new music does have some really strong moments. I do think Across the Stars is probably overused in this film, and I am disappointed by the fact that so much music from The Phantom Menace is recycled, especially in the latter third of the film. But all in all, I, I think it's it's an excellent soundtrack and definitely worthy of all these shows that we've been paying attention to each and every track. Oh, yeah. So that's great. Hey, you know what? Um... You recommended a movie on Netflix. I want to recommend a concert tour. We don't often do that here on uh, Star Wars Oxygen, but uh, I think in the past, especially when we talked about Lofty Neck, we revealed that John Williams' son, Joseph Williams, is a rocker, and he has been for years, and he actually wrote Lofty Neck and uh, performed the uh, demo from which it was based on called, uh, what was it called, Fancy Man? Fancy Man. Yeah. 
Well, Joe is currently on tour with the Toto. band Toto. Yeah. He's the lead singer. He's been the lead singer of Toto for many years. And uh, they're touring and they're opening for Yes. And so they're about midway through their summer tour right now. Uh, they're uh, touring uh-huh. around the States and they'll be touring through the middle of September. So if you get a chance to see Toto, you'll be seeing John Williams' son, Joseph, the guy who's responsible for Lopty Neck. So if you're missing the rains down in Africa, be sure to go and see Toto. Yeah, go with uh, your girlfriend, Rosanna. Nice. Oh, zing. Boy, oh, and rest in peace, Chris Squire, the bass player for Yes. That's really, that's really a sad one. Um, great yeah, bass player, yeah. incredible Which tone. one of the all-time best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's definitely something to see. Oh, and, you know, people are, there's this incredible trend that's starting, and if you haven't looked into it, please do, and see if there's something like this playing in your area, but at least in Southern California, this has been happening a lot. Live orchestras playing soundtracks to classic films. Uh, Star Trek, they just did that in Orange County. Uh, they're doing it for E.T. over Labor Day weekend at the Hollywood Bowl. They just did 2001, The Space Odyssey. Uh, they did Back to the Future earlier this year with a live orchestra. I was disappointed to hear that they didn't have Huey Lewis in the news on a separate stage, though, kicking in the power of love <laughs> when it was time. But this is a really <laughs> cool trend. Live orchestras are making a comeback. And, you know, uh, Brian Albert from IGN, you know, when we were doing the interview, asked me, you know, what is it about uh, John Williams' music that resonates with people? You know, and it really occurs to me that orchestral music, its last popular safe haven is in film. It really is in film. You know, film in certain television shows or whatever, but really film, some video games, it's in our visual entertainment that orchestral music survives and thrives. And it really is a, a high quality level of music that um, there's so much artistry involved. Years and years of practice and discipline from various musicians playing together as a group, as a symphony orchestra, right? Or I should say as an orchestra. Um, and that is a really, really special thing about this part of our entertainment. And John Williams and the Star Wars films in particular are so vital to that uh, resurgence happening in 1977. And it's continued to this day. It seems to just be getting more and more and more popular. Um, more people than ever are downloading Star Wars Oxygen. I can't uh, tell you all listening how excited uh, you and I are, Jimmy, about this. It's an incredible that people keep finding the show. And uh, we're going to keep going. And that's the one thing about Star Wars that we can focus on here on this show is the music. And, uh, and we're just going to keep talking about it and uh, even revisiting things. And please ping us if we're forgetting something about Attack of the Clones. We still have Revenge of the Sith to talk about before we get to um, uh, The Force Awakens. That's and right. I don't even know if I want to rush Revenge of the Sith. If we don't finish up, then we'll pick it up after The Force Awakens. But uh, we're going to talk about Revenge of the Sith until... Until episode seven comes out in December, and it's going to be a happy, happy new year indeed on Star Wars Oxygen, talking about all these cues and breaking down the movie. That's right, David. So this is great. So we're done with Attack of the Clones. We're done. We're ready to move For forward to Revenge of the Sith. I'm pretty excited. Looking forward to actually sitting down and watching that film again. Yeah. I always admit that is the Star Wars film that I am familiar with the least. It's probably the, the movie I've only seen instead of seeing it 500 times i've only seen it 400 times but uh but still it's it's always great to revisit that film and there are some really great moments killer that, music um, 
tie in well musically with mm -hmm. uh, the fall of Anakin Skywalker to the dark side. So I'm really looking forward to digging deep into the music of Revenge of the Sith. As always, if you want to get a hold of myself or David Collins, just write us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com, and we'll uh, I'll pass along everything uh, you write to us to David. And so he'll be eyeballing everything you send us. So uh, keep it clean, all right? Keep it clean. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, just if you have any suggestions or uh, anything you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, that's the place to get a hold of us, uh, show at rebelforceradio.com. Of course, we're always looking at your tweets and your Facebook posts. Uh, the place to go uh, for uh, Facebook and Rebel Force Radio, of course, is our official Facebook page. Go there. Be friends of ours on Facebook. Follow us. Like us. And jump on board with Star Wars Oxygen each and every month here on the Rebel Force Radio Network. No weekly Rebel Force Radio show this week. Jason Swank and myself will be returning for Force Friday next week, September 4th. Oh, my gosh. So uh, thank you so much. I hope everyone had a great summer. We're looking forward to uh, Force Friday and... Uh, uh, gosh, an incredible run leading up to the release of The Force Awakens. David, do you have any plans on going out for Midnight Madness? You know, I'm trying to decide which uh, store to hit in L.A. I know it's going to be a huge scene, so I'm going to I'm going to hit up my friends here in the 501st here in L.A. and and uh, maybe J.C. Reifenberg and I or Sam or Kyle. We'll all get together and find a place to go. I just want to see the spectacle, and I know that the, the merchandise will all be there after midnight and the next day, but it's really about the fun of going. This hasn't happened very many times in our lives, certainly um, not since 2005 with a major film release like this, so I can't wait. It reminds me of 1999. It really does. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic, and uh, I can't wait to hear the coverage on on the, the main show at Rebel Force Radio. and. It's been awesome talking to you for almost a double episode of Oxygen, and uh, I'm just looking forward to so much more. For those of you that are listening and uh, been talking on Twitter, Facebook, I love talking to you too. I'm an at David W. Collins, uh, at Rebel, Rebel Force Radio. We see it all. So thank you all very much, and I can't wait till next time. And thank you so much, David. Your uh, hard work and uh, passion for the subject matter is always appreciated. Your expertise level of analysis is always spellbinding, and uh, this uh, month was no exception. So uh, thanks again for everything you bring to the table here at Rebel Force Radio. So on behalf of David W. Collins and myself, Jimmy Mack, thank you so much for listening. And remember... The Force will be with you, brother. I, I'm pretty sure I left it here somewhere. Maybe it's with you. I'm not sure. <laughs>